Hello, and welcome again to the No Breaking Podcast. With me today, on location here at SEMA, in one of the many pavilions that surround the exhibition, is Martin Klein, CEO of Recaro Automotive. Martin, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today. I very much appreciate getting on your incredibly hectic and busy schedule. Well, James, first of all, thank you for coming to our booth. It's our honor to have you here, and, and, and I appreciate you guys having me on your show. I know. I'm just glad that I get to sit in all these lovely Recaro seats that adorn the booth. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful display of some exceptional, high-quality seats that you've got here. Thank you very much. We've been doing it for 112 years, so after a while, you, you kind of know kinda, what, yeah. you're do what you're doing. So speaking of that, so how did you get into your role here at Recaro? What was it that pushed you originally into the automotive sector back in the day? Oh, you want to hear the long story or the short story? The long story for the listeners. I always like a long story. Okay, well, uh, long story starts, I'm, I'm third-generation automotive. Uh -huh. My grandfather used to polish metal plates that then were turned into speedometers okay. for a company called VDO. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was the, uh, the CEO of a large tier one supplier to the automotive industry. Okay. And my uncle was a Porsche dealer. I see. So when I was a little kid, I was running around through the workshop, yep. smelling the fumes and, and everything. That, and hopefully and that not getting in the way kind of things. And I tried not yeah. to, um, <laughs> but but maybe the, the being raised on gasoline mm -hmm. um, explains the one or the other thing that happens in my mind or my head these days. But um, uh, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a car enthusiast, and um, I worked 25 years for Mercedes-Benz. Okay. And then I retired when I was 50. Uh, which isn't bad. You and don't certainly look 50 now. Let's be honest here about this. You certainly look much, much younger. Let's that be is the advantage of a podcast. Okay. That there is no camera oh. available. No. no, it's just the truth. Just no, the truth no, button. thank you very much. I'm blushing right yeah. now. Um, and, and I was successfully retired for two years. Okay. And then Adiant uh, Ricaro's parent company came around the corner and said, well, we have a a really unique brand here, and it needs some revitalization. Sure. Uh, can you help us doing it? And um, I think it took me about a split second to say yes. Of course. Why would you? How would you not? No. Well, working for an industry icon. Yep. You which, don't which get what Ricaro is certainly. It is, I think. Yeah. And then, so uh, to explain the listeners, to give them a, like a, a little bit of a up to speed in this 112-year history that you talked about. So how did Recaro get started, and then how is it to become the, the industry leader that it is today? It's a funny story. It's actually also well-suited to, um, to up your trivia game. Okay. Um, in 1906, a guy named Wilhelm Reuter uh, founded a coach-making company. And, um, and um, he had a weird neighbor living a couple of houses down. His name was Ferdinand Porsche. Yep. And when Ferdinand, very strange guy. Yes, very strange guy. And when he, and when he started uh, thinking about building cars in the 20s, mm -hmm. he knew how to build an engine and, and how to design a car, but he couldn't build one. Oh, okay. So he turned to his local coachmaker for support, which uh, Reuter gladly did. Mm -hmm. Long story short, all Porsches until 1954 were actually built by Reuter and not by Porsche. So if you have an old 356... The VIN plate will say Carrosserie Manufaktur Reuter, and it will not say Porsche. Yeah, which is an interesting fact there for all you listeners. And Yes, and, and then in the last project um, Reuter did for Porsche in that regard was the prototypes for the 911. Mm -hmm. One or two of the listeners are prob probably familiar with that vehicle as well. Yeah, or the 901 as well. Yes, that, which was the prototypes. Yes. And, um, and then Porsche said... 
I'm, I'm just assuming, hell, we're the OEM. Maybe it makes sense that we build our own cars. So they bought that business from, from Reuters. And Reuters started focusing on interiors. Mm -hmm. And that actually explains a lot of our philosophy. Um, we don't view a seat in a car as a piece of furniture. It's actually an element that helps you control a car. Okay. The, the, the fundamental idea is it takes three things to control a vehicle. Your steering wheel, the brakes, and the seat. Because the seat is going to um, commun communicate to you what the car is actually doing. So there's a couple of things that, that basically go back to those days, how we build seats. We want our customers to sit in the seat and not on the seat. Um, we would never sacrifice uh, functionality for design. It's always about what is the seat supposed to do, mm -hmm. uh, what is the uh, vocation it's being used in, and, and, and what does the driver want from the seat. And then that's how we start developing a seat. Okay. And so tell me about, so if we take that to where we're sitting here today with all the seats around us, do you want to talk about some of the ones that the, the latest ones that you guys are working on then, that how that puts that into practice? Well, basically every seat uh, we have here puts that into practice in, in different shapes or forms. We have a professional racing shell over there, which obviously is prepared for the hunt systems, uh, for your head and neck protection. We have street-legal racing shells over there. We have specifically designed aftermarket seats over here. There is one um, which was specifically designed for the Corvettes. Okay. Um, there is one in a houndstooth design, which is um, targeted to those folks that build up 60s, 70s, and 80s vehicles sure. so that you can put a modern seat into your car that gives you the safety features, the comfort features, but still blends in design-wise with the rest of the vehicle. Which we can all say is, is maybe we are getting a little bit older. We're not quite in our 20s anymore. A comfortable seat is very good, especially for long drives, because as you say, it's, it's part of the whole driving experience. And the more comfortable you are, the more relaxed you drive, the more refreshed you are when you get there, so uh, to speak. No doubt about it. The, 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 the point, though, is the definition of comfort. For us, comfort is not the squishiness of your sofa mm -hmm. you're sitting on to watch football. Uh, for us, comfort is the ergonomic support of your body posture. Okay. So we want you to sit in the seat that the seat supports you in such a way that the muscles in your back don't have to work all the time. So when, you, when you're in a two-hour race, that your last lap can still be your fastest because you're not super tired. When you're a professional um, truck driver, uh, when you're, when you're in, your, in your truck for 10 hours, uh, that you're still fit regarding at least your, your physique, yeah. and, and um, for, for everything in between. Sure. So comfort for us is never about the thickness of the foam. It's always about the orthopedic design and the ergonomic support. And that also is, I think, the difference between us and a lot of our competitors who built good seats. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but we do it in a different way. And so that leads me on to like another question. Is where does the seat design, where do you think it's going to go in the future? I mean, how does that look, especially with, the, let's say, the shape of how ca uh, cars are being designed moving forwards with removing of the engine, that kind of thing, which means we could be changing the way the inside of a cockpit or the cabin will look, as they talk about it now. How do you think that's going to shape the way the future of seat design is going to look, say? Well, there's a couple of parameters that impact the future seat design. Mm -hmm. um, I think... Um, uh, first and foremost, you need to sit low, okay? Because um, 
uh, with with electric battery electric vehicles, in most cases the battery is in the floor, mm -hmm. so the floor will come up in order to still give you enough headspace without raising the roof. We need to get the seat low, which pretty much plays into our cards because we come out of the performance corner where you ought to sit Always low today. Yeah. Um, the second thing we believe is very important is that the seat needs to be wrapped around you mm -hmm. because if you're in an autonomous vehicle, uh, you can turn your seat in every which way. So you might be sitting sideways or, or, or with your rear facing forward. Um, and um, and um, if, if an accident happened or you have to brake or whatever, um, all the safety systems exactly have to know which way is the vehicle traveling, which way are you sitting, how are the airbags uh, 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 operated, and all these kind of things. Um, that's what we're currently working on. But I think the, um, the, the most important piece is that you sit tightly in your vehicle. So independently from which uh, direction the force comes, that you are as safe as possible. Sure. I mean, that makes perfect sense when you talked about it like that. So before we sign off then, I just want to ask, as you've just come back to SEMA, is there anything you've learned coming back to SEMA that you think is important to pass on to anyone, like tips on surviving SEMA or anything like that? Is that what you've sort of, have you had anyone give you some tips before coming back here? Well, I, I don't. I don't need tips in that regard because I'm I'm a, I'm a car enthusiast. Uh, things like this here that just fuels my excitement, and and I think I would always say if if you love cars, come here. Um, you will you will only fear uh, you will always feel the fatigue when you get back to the hotel. Yeah. Because the adrenaline will keep you running all day. If you don't like cars, stay away because it's all about cars. It's just exciting. It's a hell of a ride. And it's all about car things that you never knew existed until you found them here and said, "I definitely need this in my life." Absolutely. And of course, comfortable shoes is always quite handy here as well. That helps. That helps. That helps. And so, Martin, if anyone's wanting to find things online, uh, find information or the social aspect of Recaro, where should they look to find that online? It's always Recaro-Automotive. Yep. It's either www.recaro-automotive or the same for the social media, uh, which is also something we're currently completely overhauling. Um, we will launch a new website roughly in four months which will also have a, a, a new e-commerce platform to make it more convenient for our customers to get access to our products. And um, so looking forward to, to seeing everybody there. No, wonderful. Th and again, Martin, thank you so much for taking the time. And everyone certainly should at least put their bottoms into a car at some time soon. That's certainly what I think about that. That's correct. There's actually a, a German term for that. Oh, there is? Yes. The, is it loosely translates into a buttometer. Yeah. Um, you've got to put your butt into the seat and feel what the car is doing. And then can you tell us what that is in German for another like fun fact that we can have for a quiz later on? Whether the German term would be popometer. Oh, perfect then. That's a popometer. That's, that's all I need to know and take it away from this. So, Martin, thank you once again. Uh, thank you, guys, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.